Welcome to the Business Finishing School Podcast. Stop the insanity. Eliminate the chaos. Bring simplicity, probability, and leverage as operating values into your business and personal life so you can do more, earn more, and improve your relationships. This is Business Growth Simplified. Here's your host, Business Finishing School founder, Rick Sapio. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Zappio. I'm here with Max Borges, a fellow entrepreneur. You all know that my parents came from Italy. His parents came from Cuba. Max, did both of your parents come from Cuba? Yeah, they sure did in 1961. My father was 17 years old, and he actually was arrested in Cuba for protesting against the government. My grandfather got him out of jail after one night and immediately sent him to Miami to live with aunt and uncle. It's one of the rare times that it's good to go to jail. But we were talking briefly about the fact that people in America whose parents came from somewhere else or who themselves came from somewhere else appreciate this place so much more than other people at times, not to generalize, but I just have experienced that. So I'm excited to hear your story. And as you know, we're here to teach people. So Max, tell us your story and how you ultimately ended up at the age of 54, owning a fairly large and successful PR firm. What led up to that? Yeah, back in around 2001, I was out of work and kind of running out of money and looking for a job and sent out probably about 100 resumes and couldn't get anybody to hire me. But I got one company to offer me a freelance gig and I took it. So I was working from home. It was a part-time gig, but it paid pretty well and doing some marketing consulting. And I realized that I had time to get another freelance gig. So I went out looking for another opportunity. And after a couple of months, I found one. So now with the two freelance gigs, I was making pretty good money. And my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, said, you know what, you should get yourself an office. And she found me a little tiny kind of rat hole office (laughs) that I could afford. And then uh, I hired some part-time help, kept looking for more clients. And over the years, this first like four years of business, I was in what I call the AFM stage, the anything for money stage. We just did any kind of marketing work that anybody wanted because that's what I thought an agency was supposed to do. But after four years, I had about 10 employees and we were doing almost a million dollars a year in business. And and even though that was certainly better than what I had dreamed when I got that first freelance gig, I also knew that I wanted to grow the business more. And I was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. So I went home that night and I made two lists. One list of all the clients that were happy, that weren't requiring my input every day, and a list of all the clients that had issues and were requiring my input. And what I found was, fortunately, the longer list that didn't require my input was all consumer technology companies that we were doing PR for, we were doing media relations for. And I realized if we just did that, then I could really focus all my energies on growing the business instead of doing the day-to-day client work. And so we focused on consumer tech. And that year, that was 2007, we grew 74%. 2008, we grew more than 50%. 2009, which you remember was a really bad year, we still grew 15%. So we've just grown and grown every year and been on the Inc. 5,000 list eight times. And it's really been about focus, about figuring out what we could be the 
best at focusing on that one thing, which very few agencies do and putting all our energy into to just being the best. Especially in PR. PR, people tend to be very broad in how they look at the world, but there's three values that we talk about always on these podcasts. It's implicitly probability and leverage. How do you simplify your business and personal life? How do you do things that increase the probability of hitting the objective? And how do you leverage existing things in place like existing relationships, technology, et cetera? And with that one decision, you did all three. Absolutely. Which is what we teach. But let's go back further to the beginning. I'm reading a little bit about your past, your dad was an entrepreneur. And I love some of the stories that I read about. Oftentimes, a child of an entrepreneurial, crazy immigrant dad go the other way. They become a doctor or a lawyer. What did you learn from your parents and what made that those experiences helped you become an entrepreneur? And what'd you do in the 30 years prior to starting your business? Well, a great question. I love talking about my parents. And, you know, my dad was always, uh, he was a born salesman. After he turned about 19 or 20, he moved up to New York because there was supposedly a job waiting for him at a bakery. When he got there, the job wasn't available. So he had to go and look for another job. He got a job at Sears selling appliances and turned out he was a natural born salesman and did very well selling appliances. And one day a guy walked in who sold real estate and offered him a job. And so he started working nights and weekends selling real estate. And until he was making more money doing that than selling appliances, then started selling real estate full time. And this is a guy who came over from Cuba, who is in his early 20s now, who didn't even speak English very well, very strong Cuban accent, but he didn't know what he couldn't do, you know, so he would just do anything. Anyway, when he was 29 years old, 30 years old, and I was, I think, seven years old, he tells the family, well, we're, we're moving to St. Petersburg, Florida. And he had gotten a partner and bought a tract of land and was going to start building houses. He was going to become a builder. So we moved down and he just started building houses. And really for the rest of my life, I always lived in a neighborhood where my dad built all the houses. And he also, I remember once when I was about 15, 16 years old, he opened up a restaurant with a partner. He was still building houses, but he opened up a restaurant. And another time, I remember him calling me and saying, hey, where can I rent some violins? And I'm like, dad, why do you need to rent violins? He goes, oh, I brought this band in from South America and they're going to play a concert that I'm promoting. I'm like, you're promoting a concert? And everything he did was always a success and he always had fun doing it. And there was never anything that he couldn't do or anything that he needed qualifications or even education. He never went to college. He finished high school. He, he didn't go to college, but he was just a guy who could figure anything out. He read a lot. He was very curious. And if he didn't know how to do it, he'd find somebody who did. And so that was the environment that I grew up in was one where anything was possible and you didn't necessarily have to have qualifications as long as you had the common sense and you could figure it out. And so as a kid, I started all kinds of different businesses, whether it was like a DJing business or managing bands or producing events. I once had a business uh, recording church choirs and making cassettes and CDs that they would sell as fundraisers. You know, So I had a bunch of different uh, businesses that were not very successful, but were all great lessons and building blocks to my education because I didn't go to college either. And then when I was 29, I got a job working for the Grammy Awards for a couple of years and then later worked for a company called Mars Music, working for one of the founders of Office Depot, who started a new company called Mars Music and learned a lot from him about building and scaling businesses. And throughout that whole time between age of 19 to age of 34, I was reading hundreds of business books 
and self-help, anything from Anthony Robbins to autobiographies. I read about Henry Ford. I read about Rockefeller. I read about Carnegie. And I read about all these guys and learned everything I possibly could about how to build and manage a business and who I needed to be successful. So finally, when I was 34 years old and got that freelancing gig, I think that was finally when I had the experience and the confidence that I needed. I had all the parts were there for me to finally build a business that was going to make my dreams come true. And that's absolutely what happened. How do people find you? They go to my website, maxborgesagency.com is where the website is and lots of information there, or you can find me on LinkedIn. So I've got two questions. One is about your dad. So a lot of people are curious and hardworking and entrepreneurial, but you said everything he did was a success. So tell us more about the attributes that he had that were differentiators for him. That's the first question. And the second one is not a lot of people build a company from zero to 45 employees, especially in your space of PR. What that you learned from your dad, those the essence of his success translated into what you're doing now. What I learned from him was just optimism and opportunism. Just, you know, when that freelance gig came along, that wasn't what I was looking for, but it was an opportunity. And I looked at it and I said, well, I got to take it. I got to pay the rent, but what can I turn this into? How can I make this into something bigger? And, and looked for another opportunity and then found ways to grow that. So I think the most important thing I got is this kind of feeling of I can do anything and I don't necessarily need to be qualified. So I've, I was never constrained by this feeling of, hey, I've never had an agency before, so I need to go to school for how to have an agency or I need to work at an agency first in order to build an agency. Isn't that true of life in general? I mean, people go through life finding any excuse possible to slow them down. I had this woman in my life, she didn't mentor me, she was my neighbor and she always asked me for advice. And this girl had all the degrees, she was an incredible cook, she actually happened to be from Italy and she would say, I always want to start my own restaurant. And I would say, well, Laura, look at this lady. There's this African-American woman who was on food stamps and she started this restaurant. She did it. You could do it because you have money and resources and connections and expertise and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, no, but she was lucky. She knew something. It was always a reason. And I think all of us go through life with considerations and limitations and all that. But by the way, I've got to plug your book. I couldn't believe it when it came in the mail. I'm going to hold it up. Maybe you guys could see it. And it says how to be fan tastic <laughs> <laughs> So tell us about that. On the back, it says, this book changed my life. I wish I had learned this in school. So really, it's a quote book but it speaks to what you just said in your answer, which is optimism without limitation. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had actually started writing a book about how to build an autonomous agency, how to build an agency that runs itself, because not only have I built an agency with 45 employees, it runs itself now. I have a management team that runs the agency and I don't have to do much on a day-to-day -day basis anymore. So I was writing a book about that and it wasn't really coming easy. And one day I just started writing a bunch of quotes and I kind of liked them. And they were quotes that were inspired by things that I've gone through and people that I've learned and some of the values and principles that I've used to build my business. And then I put them into a Word document into a book form and I showed it to a few friends and they all loved it. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a good idea. So I built it out to about 120 quotes and turned it into a book and put it out there. And so far, the response has been great. It's been selling and people really like it. And people tend to buy extra copies for their friends or for their kids. 
for their kids. That's awesome. well, not their little kids, but teenage kids. <laughs> you know, there's a few f bombs in there, so you might not want to give it to the little ones. But you know, for somebody who's in high school or college who's just starting in their career, thinking about a career, you know, there's some good advice for them. Only love can overcome hate is one of the quotes, and I love the last page. It says, "Get rich." You know, there's 24 hours in a day, and I look at it that way too. But everybody's got the same 24 hours. Why not get rich and well, get rich? And there's a subline there that says, then give away all your money to good causes. That's exactly what I was going to say. People say, well, I don't want to do stuff just for the money. I'm like, well, why not? You can give it all away. And then they come up with another excuse. Well, some people are realistic, right? And realistic people are the ones who are going to look at a situation realistically. And realistically, starting a business that's fantastically successful is hard and it's not common. And the truth is, I tried starting, you know, a dozen different businesses before the business that I have. And I was dumb enough to think every single one of them was going to be successful because every time I did something, I was sure that was going to be the thing that was going to make me a lot of money and I was going to be successful and finally was going to reach the pinnacle of life. And I was wrong every time, but then I'd start something new and then I thought that was going to be the thing. So I think you have to be a little bit naive and you have to be optimistic way that you're not realistic because if you're realistic about it, you probably, if I had known how many times I was going to fail before I succeeded, the motivation wouldn't have been there to go through all of those experiences and learn all those lessons and turn into the person that I needed to be in order to finally reach some level of success. There's a lot of research around the fact that people that are most successful are the people that fail over and over yep. but stay optimistic. Absolutely. We don't teach that to our kids. I don't think societally. What we teach our kids is, oh, don't do that, Johnny. Remember, you weren't good last time. And societally, at least my observation is that we've created 100 million victims, as opposed to 100 million people that can get up in the morning and dust themselves off and go back out in life, which is what you're teaching. Yeah, absolutely. That's key. And I'm not sure how you learn that, you know, I learned it from my dad. I learned it from watching him. And I hope that my kids are learning it from me. But that's key. You've got to be optimistic and be able to see the opportunity in everything you do. Yeah. There's a book on this. I think the author is Carolyn Dweck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's the name of that book? Do you know? Growth Mindset or, or, or Mindset, I think. Yeah, maybe it's just mine. Yeah, I just read it recently. Yeah, and, and so I try that with my kids too. Like, instead of saying you did really good on that test, what you say is, man, I loved how hard you studied. Right. Because what you're reinforcing is they're trying and they're working and they're doing the practice of. And so you don't clap loudly when they're at the piano recital. You clap loudly when they're practicing two hours a day prior to the piano. So yeah, growth mindset is the type of mindset that are the people that do the work and the result just happens. So Yeah, absolutely. You got to put in the work. I've enjoyed this interview. Any final word for the audience? No, I think with my business, there were two keys, I think, to my being able to build a business. One, when I started the business, I realized what my strength and what my weaknesses were. My strengths was ideas and getting things started and being fearless and moving forward. And one of my weaknesses was following through on things. I, was, I would get things about 80% of the way there, and then I would lose enthusiasm. And so I surrounded myself immediately with people who could follow through. And that made all the difference in the world for me. And that was one of the key learnings. It took me, unfortunately, 34 years to learn, but, but I finally learned it. And that made all the difference in the world. The second lesson that I learned was that you have to figure out what you can be the best at. And 
when you focus on what you can be the best at, then that can be a real defining moment in your life because it makes everything much more fun and makes everything easier and, and things just kind of click. So I think those, those are the two things I would share. When you transition from a entrepreneur-led business to a autonomous business, my observation of that transition is number one, very, very few people make that transition. And number two, the people that make it like you, oftentimes, I hate to use this word, but oftentimes they're lucky because they got the right person that could do it. But what made it so for you? So from the very beginning, I worked toward getting away from doing client work. So I think that I worked probably on the first three clients that we had, but after a few years, I transitioned even off of those clients and didn't do any client work and focused my energies on building an organization that can do the work as opposed to it being about me. So I never wanted it to be about me. And even though the, the agency's named after me because I didn't realize it was going to get as big as it was, and that's not something I would recommend to other people to do, but I think that I was able to get myself out of the way. And now... A lot of times if I meet client, which I don't pitch any business anymore, I haven't pitched business in 10 years and I don't do any day-to-day -day work on any of the business. A lot of times I'll meet a client and they'll go, oh, there's an actual Max Borges. Like they don't even know that I exist. So yeah, so that's great. And it shows that I have been able to just back away completely. And now I've surrounded myself with a lot of people who frankly, and it's not just one person, but it's a lot of people who are way smarter than me. So I, I'm not sure that I can even do the work anymore. Like if I worked for myself, I'd probably have to fire myself. Something had to give you that impetus to change because people whose name is on the door, it's so rare. We look for businesses like that. It's rare. Yeah. You know, Rick, like I said, like I never really liked the client work. Most people who start agencies like the client work. They start agencies because they're good PR people or they're good attorneys or they're good accountants. Yeah, they're good technicians. Yeah. But that was never what I wanted to do. I always wanted to run a business. And so for me, getting away from the client work was my motivation to signing businesses and hiring people. I knew that the reward was going to be that I was going to be able to not have to do that day-to-day -day stuff that I hate. And I could do more of the stuff that I like. I happen to like a lot of the stuff that a lot of people hate. I like hiring people. I like coaching people. I like disciplining people. I don't like firing people, but I know that it's a necessary part of the job and I do it and I take that responsibility and I'm fine with it. So I like negotiating, you know, new office leases. I like thinking about how much space we're going to need over the next year if we're growing at a rate of 30%. I like doing all that kind of stuff. And I don't like doing the day-to-day -day client work. So I just didn't get sucked into that. I think that that's really the key is you have to resist the temptation to get tied into the day-to-day -day work and focus on the growth activities. It's interesting that all the things you're saying are right in our playbook on how to grow and scale a business, but what do you do when you work on the business? So how many hours a week would you say you work on or in the business? And what is it that you do? Yeah, right now I probably work five to seven hours a week and it's just all status meetings. I do a finance status meeting, a management status meeting, a biz dev status meeting, and then a few one-on-ones with a few people just to know what's going on with the business and give any feedback that I can give. But I'm sure that the people who are in those meetings probably will tell you that they don't think I'm necessary. <laughs> and what do you do the rest of the time with your day? 
Well, I'm writing another book. I'm involved in podcasts. I spend more time with my family. I play a little golf, take care of my finances, do a lot of investing, invest in tech companies, things like that. That is awesome. It sounds like the perfect example of a life by design. And for the audience, you don't know how rare this is, but here's the weird thing about it. Losing weight is very simple. You just eat less and exercise more. But for some reason, it's not easy. Right. Building a company is pretty simple. You do exactly what Max said. You simplify, you focus, you hire good people, you let them do their jobs, you get the hell out of the way. But for whatever reason, it's not easy. And only, I would say, I'm guessing here, but maybe one out of 50 companies, maybe less, that start, get from zero to 45 employees. You know, the street is littered with failures. So what you're doing is simple, but not easy. And I want to congratulate you for making that transition. Well, thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. It wasn't easy and it took a lot of failures and a lot of hard lessons to get to a point where, where I could finally do it and a lot of luck. So, yeah. When we make our own luck, as you know. All right. Well, listen, love to have another conversation with you. This was great. You're a quintessential entrepreneur, the ones we like to associate with. And if you're writing another book, man, The Autonomous Entrepreneur, did that come out or are you in the middle of it? It's not out yet. That's the one I'm working on right now is how to build an autonomous business. So I love it. Hopefully in the next few months, we'll have it out. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And Mac, we appreciate your time. And thank you, Rick. I love what you're doing out there. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Finishing School podcast, where we teach you business growth simplified. For more information on Business Finishing School or their Business Growth Summit event, visit businessfinishingschool.com.